Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This will be a discussion about 3 Nephi chapter 4. So now the Lamanites and Nephites that have joined together, uh, they're now called Nephites, and uh, they've all gathered together around the city of Zarahemla, between the city of Zarahemla and Bountiful, the land desolation. So they've all gotten together into one large body of, uh, of people so that they can fight together against the Gadianton robbers. So here we go with chapter 4. And it came to pass that in the latter end of the 18th year, those armies of robbers had prepared for battle and began to come down and to sally forth from the hills and out of the mountains and in the wilderness and their strongholds and their secret places and began to take possession of the lands, both which were in the land south and which were in the land north and began to take possession of all the lands which had been deserted by the Nephites and the cities which had been left desolate. But behold, there was no wild beasts nor game in those lands which had been deserted by the Nephites and there was no game for the robbers save it were in the wilderness. And the robbers could not exist, save it were in the wilderness, for the want of food. For the Nephites had left their lands desolate, and had gathered their flocks, and their herds, and all their substance, and they were in one body. Therefore there was no chance for the robbers to plunder and to obtain food, save it were to come up in open, open battle against the Nephites. And the Nephites being in one body, and having so great a number, and having reserved for themselves provisions and horses and cattle, and flocks of every kind, that they might subsist for the space of seven years, in the which time they did hope to destroy the robbers from off the face of the land. And thus the eighteenth year did pass away. And it came to pass that in the nineteenth year, Gideonhi found that it was expedient that he should go up to battle against the Nephites, for there was no way that they could subsist, save it were to plunder and rob and murder. Quite the economy for the robbers, don't you think? Uh, don't you think that they'd figure this out and just go grow some crops so that they could live? But no, they have to rob and plunder. That's all they know how to do. Verse 6, And they durst not <clears throat> spread themselves upon the face of the land, insomuch that they could raise grain, lest the Nephites should come upon them and slay them. Therefore Gideonhi gave commandment unto his armies that in this year they should go up to battle against the Nephites. They couldn't produce for themselves, so they had to steal from others. And it came to pass that they did come up to battle, and it was in the sixth month. If the first month is the spring, this is probably around October or harvest time. And behold, the great and terrible was the day that they came, that they did come up to battle, and they were girded about after the manner of robbers, and they had a lambskin. Since there probably were not sheep in the land, this probably this might actually have been leopard skins uh, about their loins, and they were dyed in blood, and their heads were shorn, and they had head plates upon them. And great and terrible was the appearance of the armies of Gideonhi because of their armor and because of their being dyed in blood. And it came to pass that the armies of the Nephites, when they saw the appearance of the army of Gideonhi, had all fallen to the earth and did lift their cries to the Lord their God that he would spare them and deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. The Nephites knew the only sure source to deliver them, and that was Heavenly Father. And it came to pass that when the armies of Gideonhi saw that they and saw this, they began to shout with a loud voice because of their joy, for they had supposed that the Nephites had fallen with fear because of the terror of their enemies. 
But in this thing, they were disappointed. Don't you love this? This is great. For the Nephites did not fear them, but they did fear their God and did supplicate him for protection. Therefore, when the armies of Gideonhide did rush upon them, they were prepared to meet them. Yea, in the strength of the Lord did they receive them. And the battle commenced in this the sixth month, and great and terrible was the battle thereof. Yea, great and terrible was the slaughter thereof, insomuch that there never was known so great a slaughter among all the people of Lehi since he left Jerusalem. And notwithstanding the threatenings and the oaths of which Gideonhi had made, behold, the Nephites did beat them, insomuch that they did fall back from before them. And it came to pass that Gidgadoni commanded that his armies should pursue them as far as the borders of the wilderness, and that they should not spare any that should fall into their hands by the way. And thus they did pursue them and did slay them to the borders of the wilderness, even until they had fulfilled the commandment of Gidgadoni. And it came to pass that Gidgadoni or sorry, that Gideonhi, these are confusing sometimes, and it came to pass that Gideonhi, he's the wicked uh, robber guy, who had stood and fought with boldness, was pursued as he fled, and being weary because of his much fighting, he was overtaken and slain. Yay! And thus was the end of Gideonhi the robber. I like that. And it came, I'm, I, I sound bloodthirsty, don't I? I'm not, I'm a passive guy. No. And it came to pass that the armies of the Nephites did return again to their place of security, and it came to pass that this nineteenth year did pass away, and the robbers did not come again to battle, neither did they come again in the twentieth year. And in the twenty and first year, they did, they did not come up to battle. I think what's happening is they're trying to pick a leader of the, of the robbers here, and they're all going, you do it. No, you do it, because the leader gets killed. I just made that up. But they came up on all sides to lay siege round about the people of Nephi, for they did suppose that if they should cut off the people of Nephi from their lands, and should hem them in on every side, and if they should cut them off from all their outward privileges, that they could cause them to yield themselves up according to their wishes. They have five more years here worth of their stores. Uh, so remember, they had seven years worth of stuff, and so they've got five more years to go. Now they had appointed unto themselves another leader whose name was Zemnarihah. Therefore, it was Zemnarihah that did cause that this siege should take place. Not a very bright guy. But behold, this was an advantage to the Nephites, for it was impossible for the robbers to lay siege sufficiently long to have any effect upon the Nephites because of their much provision, which they had laid up in store. Remember that the robbers, all they know how to do is rob and steal. They don't grow for themselves. And because of the scantiness of provisions among the robbers, for behold, they had nothing save it were meat for their subsistence, which meat they did obtain in the wilderness. And it came to pass that the wild game became scarce in the wilderness, insomuch that the robbers were about to perish with hunger. Oh, so sad. And the Nephites were continually marching out by day and by night and falling upon their armies and cutting them off by thousands and by tens of thousands. And thus it became the desire of the people of, Zer of Zemnarihah to withdraw from their design because of the great destruction which came upon them by night and by day. And it came to pass that Zemnariah did give command unto his people that they should withdraw themselves from the siege and march into the furthermost parts of the land northward. And now Gidgadoni, being aware of their design and knowing of their weakness because of the want of food and the great slaughter which had been made among them, therefore he did send out his armies in the night time and did cut off the way of their retreat and did place his armies in the way of their retreat. Sounds like uh, every time the, the Nephites fight at night, they always win. I uh, wonder why they don't do that more often. Verse 25, And this they did do in the night time, and got on their march beyond the robbers, so that on the morrow, when the robbers began their march, they were met by the armies of the Nephites, both in their front and in their rear. And the robbers who were on the south were also cut off in their places of retreat, and all these things were done by command of Gidgadoni. And there were many thousands who did yield themselves up prisoners unto the Nephites, and the remainder of them were slain. 
So this is the destruction of the Gadiant robbers. And their leader, Zemnariah, was taken and hanged upon a tree, yea, even upon the top thereof, until he was dead. And when they had hanged him until he was dead, they did fell the tree to the earth and did cry with a loud voice, saying, "This." So this is an, uh, an ancient ceremony. May the Lord preserve his people in righteousness and in holiness of heart, that they may cause to be felled to the earth all who shall seek to slay them, because of power and secret combinations, even as this man hath, fallen, hath been felled to the earth. Now, it's a custom back in the, in the time that if a, if a person like this of, of some renown was hanged, that they would always uh, also cut down the tree, because they didn't want people that uh, may have thought highly or worshipped that individual to now be worshipping the tree and uh, use that as a symbol for them to, to rally around. And so they would also cut down the tree too. Verse 30, And they did rejoice and cry again with one voice, saying, May the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob protect this people in righteousness, so long as they shall call in the name of their God for protection. And it came to pass that they did break forth all as one in singing and praising their God for the great thing which he had done for them in preserving them from falling into the hands of their enemies. Yea, they did cry, Hosanna, which means save us now or save, we pray to the Most High God, and they did cry, Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty, the Most High God. And their hearts were swollen with joy under the gushing out of many tears. Neil Maxwell said, Thus the things of which we can be most certain are also those things which matter most. We can have a bad day, but still have a good life. We can have tribulation, but see it paled by the resurrection. We can exhibit calm commitment as did hope-filled Job amid tribulation and avoid charging God foolishly. Thus, nothing that really matters has changed since long ago, when with full justification we shouted for joy. All that matters is gloriously intact. The promises are in place. It is up to us to perform. Someday, when we kneel again in those corridors where that special shout once echoed, having been delivered from our last enemy death, we will have hearts swollen with joy under the gushing out of many tears. It is a moment we must not miss. It is worth cheerfully enduring a few disappointments and pains now and letting a few mortal appetites go unsatiated. Continuing verse 33. Because of the great goodness of God in delivering them out of the hands of their enemies, and they knew it was because of their repentance and their humility that they had been delivered from an everlasting destruction. The only way to combat the kind of wickedness uh, the Gadianton robbers represented is with the strength obtained through personal and collective righteousness. To overcome the evil power of secret oaths, we must make sacred covenants with God and abide by them. And that was by Terence Zink. Third Nephi 4 uh, 28 to 33, which we just read, uh, recounts in considerable detail the execution of Zemnariha, the captured leader of the, de of the defeated Gadianton robbers. It has recently been suggested that this public execution followed ancient ceremony and law. After the Nephites had chopped down the tree on which Zemnariah had been hanged, they all cried out with one voice for God to protect them. They then, then they sang out, all is one, in praise of God. Is there some kind of ritual involved here? Several evidences point to an ancient background for this execution. Consider these few items first. Notice that the tree on which Zarahemna, or Zemnariah was hung was felled. Was this ever done in antiquity? Apparently it was. For one thing, Israelite practice required that the tree upon which the culprit was, was hung be buried with the body. Hence, the tree had to have been chopped down. Second, consider why the tree was chopped down and buried. As Maimonides explains, in order that it should not serve as a sad reminder with people saying, this is the tree on which so-and-so was hanged. In this way, the tree became associated with the person being executed. It came to symbolize the culprit and the desire to forget him 
or her. By way of comparison, the Nephites identified the tree with Zimnariah and all those like him, that his infamy might not be forgotten. When they cried out, May the Lord cause to be felled to the earth all who shall seek to slay them, even as this man hath been felled to the earth. Finally, the people all chanted loudly, proclaiming the wickedness of Zemnariah, which may be reminiscent of the ancient practice of heralding a notorious execution. Deuteronomy 19.20 says that those which remain shall hear and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. How is this to be accomplished? Rabbi Jehuda explained, I say that he is executed immediately, and messengers are sent out to notify the people. Indeed, public matters, such as the execution of a rebelling judge, had to be heralded. An even clearer example of heralding in the Book of Mormon is found in Alma 30:57, where the results of Cory Horse case were heralded abroad. In both these, these cases, the apparent requirement of publishing the wickedness of the culprit was satisfied so that all who remained would hear and fear, and the evil would be removed from among God's people. And that was in a book called Re-Exploring the Book of Mormon. Alrighty, so that's the end of chapter 4. I bear testimony that these things are true and that uh, and now that the Nephites have uh, pretty much destroyed all of the Gadianton robbers, uh, we'll see if they have peace coming forward here. So we'll talk to you later. I bear testimony that this is true and say it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.